Hey, hoy, Noiros! Welcome to this week's Out of the Podcast, the podcast hosted by the two lads, Daniel and Joseph. We're classy today. We're going to put on our coats and get a little windy, but we'll get to that. Dan, how are you? I'm doing okay. How about you? I'm good. I went to a show last night. I partook in a little alcohol, so I'm little, like little. 5% slower. Not too <laughs> much, but just enough where I like I'm feeling something. That's good. And, it's uh, good to feel something. It can be. It depends. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> that could turn on you in show. an instant. But being at a show, show was I great. think, is good. Yeah. Show was great. I got to see a band I did a tape with called The Whiffs from Kansas City. Long time coming. Put on a hell of a show. They were able to transcend the sound quality of the fire in Philadelphia. Yes. Uh, not a shout out to them, although it was <laughs> it was fine. You know, like it, it yeah. did the trick. I think that's yeah, their no. tagline, actually. It's, it's the fire. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, that seems to be the consensus all around. I've talked yeah. to so many people. Anyone who plays music in this area is like, oh, that we played the fire. It seems to be like an early rite of passage. Yes. It's, a, it's a definitely a notorious place. And it's been around for a long time. So I think it, it's just like the, the, it, the access to it, the length of time it's been around. Oh, you go to their website and they're like, we had the first My Chemical Romance and like yeah. all that kind of thing. Would you say that it's the Gildan t-shirts of venues? Um... You do it once and then you say, no, thank you. Yeah. I, you learn yeah, your lesson. Yeah. I, would, I, I, I didn't necessarily think about that comparison, but yes, I, I would say I've been so. making that comparison a lot lately. I think it's such a good insult. Yeah. It's like, this is the Gildan shirts of, of this. something. Yeah. Yeah. As a freebie for you folks. I already feel sluggish and like I'm doing a bad job on this show. So I, I apologize. I think everybody. rebound. I hope, I hope so. Talking about our, our movie for today. I got to imagine that's going to put me in a whirlwind. Dan promised when we, when we had signed off last week that this was going to be a wild ride and, and he, he will not disappoint on this one. I'll spoil <laughs> that much already. Holy shit. It's I something, mean, I, man. It is. It's something. I guess we could get into it. I, I got nothing else to bring to the docket to you. You watch any movies this week? Um, what did I watch this week? Been watching a lot of horror. Uh, you know, I, I've been kind of continuing the um... horror in November. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, at the time of this recording, but yeah. oh, sure. Spoilers behind the curtain. Spoilers huh? behind the curtain a little bit. Um, oh, we got yeah, Oz over here. To... Yeah, I'm trying to think what else I've been watching. Oh, okay. I did have something good. And, and, Attaboy. And, yeah. So we were talking a lot beforehand, and it got me off. I have something. I have some fairly major news to tell you that I know you're going to appreciate. And I've, you have not indicated that there was major news coming at all. This just felt like a ho hum usual usual day. All yeah, right. I forgot. I forgot. So now I, gotta, I remember. I, like I got to stretch. I got to take yes. this in right. Yes, sir. So this Sock is something. This is something you've been recommending to me for for quite some time now. Oh wow! Um, this could so, be anything. Yes, so I I watched all of Joe Parra talks with me. I watched uh, I watched all of that on because it's on HBO Max. It uh, is, and I absolutely loved it. It's I, the, he is just the greatest. That sense of humor is my all time favorite. Like it's just yeah. so positive and great. It's it's interesting because it's like this. It's just this unique blend of like it's it's heartwarming and comforting. Yet it is funny and 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 it doesn't take like any kind of low blows necessarily on, on any, it's not mean any spirited. Yeah. It's like not mean spirited at all. Is. And it, it is good. It is good and wholesome. And it's got that little tinge of weirdness that I love. It just, it oh, has yeah. that, it's that little bit of like bizarre, weird. It's like it's, its own world. And I, I loved it. I, I just, every minute of it, like, I, I Connor it, O'Malley in that show is so amazing. Yeah. Um, his I, breakfast when he's talking about the perfect bite 
Oh, is one yeah. of like one it's of the so greatest. Good. It's so good. That whole episode is amazing. I was trying to think of like funny, the ep- like the best episodes. I mean, I really did love the one he was making the lunch. That one was really good. Did you like the one where he heard uh, Baba O'Reilly for the first time? Oh, that one was amazing because I love that <laughs> such a left turn because it's like it's like so off topic of what the the title is because it's oh, like yeah. something you don't expect. It's like goes to church or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, he reads the church announcements and, <laughs> yep. uh, and, it, and it goes from that and then he just starts talking at the announcements about <laughs> how he finds this song. Everybody's like- He heard this I'm, song for the first time. <laughs> yeah, and just how much he loves it. It's it's so amazing. Yeah, it's definitely one I would recommend. And I, I love that it's like, in a way I love that it's short, but then it almost feels too short. Yeah. Because um, they're all kind of like 10, 12 minute kind of bursts. But I got so pulled into it and so enamored with it that I just- I just kept going. Like I already kind of want to watch it again because I feel so like glad I missed that. so much stuff. But yeah, I, I it really has great rewatch value. Yeah, I could see that, and I, and I know that this was kind of ahead of the the new seasons that's coming out pretty soon. Um, yeah, I think the end of the month or next month. Yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's it's soon. I think it's November. Yeah, yeah. I, I just his delivery is great. Um, <laughs> it just it's so it's so good. I love like the, in, the informational aspect of it, but then like he's just like so interested and passionate about certain very specific, maybe small things, but just like that wonderment of it. I just, I don't know. It's just the way he just like talks to people, like the community around him. It's just so lovely. You know, he talks like elderly people and and it's wonderful. Yeah. I remember seeing him do stand up before he did that show and it was just so good. I'm like, this guy I'm, I'm in forever. And he delivered the goods. It's very similar. I did catch a couple on on YouTube. I, I loved when he was when he goes to the breakfast thing and he, he's he's asking like all the the breakfast crew and they're asking like, oh, you want to have biscuits and gravy and so forth. He's like, no, I can't eat gravy. It makes me sleepy. And I gotta go to the bank later. <laughs> just like stuff like that. Just I, I I love it. Yeah, it's definitely like a, a humor that I I appreciate as well. I love like a lot of dry humor in general. So yes, um, for me, I I really appreciate it. But like yeah, like you said, it's like not yeah, it's not malicious in any way. It's just a very kind of like. You feel like, good watching it. Exactly, exactly. It's it's like a weird thing because like you're you're fun, you're laughing at it, and there's a lot of good moments because uh, mm-hmm. there are fo- like kind of like incidentally funny moments into it. But I think that's the genius of it. It's just that it kind of like it's not beating you over the head with it. It's very subtle, and it's just it's just kind of all there. It's kind of heartwarming at the same time. So really good watch. I, I like that. I love the Fourth of July ones when they're all sitting together and, <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, it's just really a lot of like the weird like li- like because it'll just kind of like deviate a little bit and then they kind of go off and they'll have a little bit of cursing or a little bit of like weird stuff. And you're like, where did that it's come a little from? Something, it's a, yeah. a little jarring. Yeah. But yeah, I would I would definitely recommend it for sure. I also like especially with the breakfast episode. It's the second episode of the first season. Um, yeah. Because he, he's getting everybody's, like, breakfast routine. And it's Jean's wife, like, when he starts going over to that, like, the woman's table. And she, like, says, and then she, like, gives her spiel. And then she's like, don't come over, Joe. She does not <laughs> like crack, him at all. Cracks me up not. so much. <laughs> I, love the, I love that, like, he and Jean are, are good friends. And then they get into all of these ridiculous things. And it's always his wife always gets mad at them. And it's like, always like, it's like, oh yeah, we turned off all the power and we were just kind of making food, food like, you know, like in, in the house. And they and, were going to, they sue each other at one point. Yeah. Just to just, see what the to, process is like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, and she just, she just does not like on like a low key level, just does not like him. Um, Do you know the backstory with Gene? No, like about so, his actual life. No. Well, Joe Pera, he, he did stand up on um, Seth Meyers. Seth Meyers mm-hmm. was a big supporter of him. And Gene was actually the cameraman at Seth Meyers. Oh. And they became friends that way. And he oh, just wow. randomly got him to act for the first time and do his thing. He just, he liked what he had. And, and, uh, They're great It's delightful. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's like the first episode, because it's like, 
you're kind of getting into it like any show and it's a little bit weird because you're like trying to like kind of figure it's, it out you know like you're trying it's to a, be like, it's it's a pilot it's almost yeah. like one you want to go back to after you've, you've come in and appreciated the show and right. a lot of times i'll when i show people i will just skip right to the breakfast one because yeah. i think it is such a good starter but at the same time it, it, the first episode's still delightful it's peaceful yeah uh, it, it, there's a lot a lot of good stuff in there you reminded yeah. me of something i watched last night James. what's that not this movie post the show but Joe Firestone, she's, she plays Joe's girlfriend on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, she just put out a comedy special on Peacock, uh, okay. which you can get for free. You don't have to pay for this special. There will be ads, but they're quick. But she, during the pandemic, she put together like a comedy group for the elderly. And so it's all of them putting on a comedy show. It's, oh, wow. It's, it's delightful. It's that same thing where it's not mean-spirited. And mm. um, yeah, I can't recommend that enough if you're looking for a nice little hour of good time oh. comedy. I'll have to check that out. I do, I do like the dynamic between her and Joe Parra because it's like a weird, like opposites in a way, but very similar. Oh, just, yeah. The, the, the dynamic is very interesting. And I, I really... Yeah, all of them. It's like yeah. well, everybody on that show comes from that like Brooklyn comedy crew. And it's just like these weird, like how do they all know each other and are attracted to each other? But like, yeah. it works. It's great. Yeah, I saw her open for Bob and David, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross like two or three years ago at the Bell House. She was great. Oh, wow. That's great. That was that was a special right in the front row. That was a that was a special night. So yeah, recommend that if you're on the HBO Go kick. My next one, sort of of that ilk, I would recommend is How to with John Wilson, which is about to come back as well for a second okay. season. What a unique view on the world that man has as well. So that that's your next homework assignment when you're feeling up to it. Cool, I'm ready. Excellent. All right, I, that's all I got. Thank you for these digressions. That was totally worth it. I mean, we could easily do a Joe Paris spinoff, man. I love that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, and that's and that's why like I in my head like I got sidetracked before we were recording today and I had a lot of stuff going on and we started talking because we do like you know we kind of talk before we record and I, it just totally slipped my can mind. Can you believe we have more to say to each other, folks? Yeah, than just this. It's hard to believe. <laughs> we um, don't get right to business and then not talk to each other ever. We we're friends, I would say, Dan. It's crazy. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yes. Two co-hosts who like each other. What a first. What what are the odds? <laughs> oh um, boy. Yeah, but that, that, yeah, so I'm glad that you asked me that because I, I, I had that like in my head, like I've had it built up because I watched it earlier this week. I'm like, I got to wait to talk to, to, to Joey about I got to start writing the earlier stuff in the week down too because I like, I swear I'm like, oh, I can't wait to bring this up on the podcast. And then it's just like, what'd you do this week? Uh, nothing. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> Something about my car, probably. <laughs> Dan, I'm not going to have any car talk too much for this show. I will say we're, okay. we're in the works. It's getting fixed. I have a, a loner. I will say that I did talk to the party responsible and they were um, very mean to me. <laughs> really? Yeah, like I did it. They, they refused to apologize. They refused to give me an explanation of why it took so long for this to get squared away. It was, it was pretty disgusting. I mean, I, I, ha- I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm not surprised based on the incident. You know what I mean? Like, I feel no. like there's, there's probably a correlation. I mean, like, I would be very surprised if they were like, I did completely, <laughs> completely cool about it. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, let me make this all better. No, I, I, I'm picturing like, complete, I just wanted just, a little yeah. something like, sorry about that. But it was very much just like, eh, insurance is handling it. And then he gave me the number of the guy who uh, was the driver. Mm-hmm. And I called him and he goes, hello, Joey. And then he hung up on me. That's weird. Which, which was very weird. So I just texted him the video of the um, him, Got hitting you. My, him hitting my car and just let it end there. You should have said, remember this. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I did it with the video because it was just like, yeah. this thing has sound. It has the sound of you witnessing that you hit my vehicle. And then we're like, all right, you know what? Let's peace get out, out of here. Yeah, peace out. So it's just like, I got, I got you. You think you'd yeah. be like, whoa, whoa, sorry, man. You know, 
I can have empathy for a hit and run, but you gotta play. You gotta play the game, you know. Yeah. Sounds but speaking like of playing the games, yeah, we're gonna play it. We're gonna play the Chicago game, baby. We're headed to the city that never sleeps. The laughs are beginning, sir. This I was released. I'm, yes, Dan. I, I just want to say, just because I was waiting for you to say the title, is like first. I just want to mention before we start. Did I say it with enough sparkle in the title? You did because it does Thank have you. it on the on the credits. But yes. Can we be clear that the city that never sleeps is technically new, supposed to be New York? Yeah. Oh, I know. Okay. I, even when be... they were saying Chicago to me, I'm like, okay, we're in New York. We're in New York. And then nope. like, oh, no, no, no. We are absolutely in Chicago. No, the true it's... city that never sleeps. Yes. And you know, <laughs> I, I had a segue there, Dan, but I'm going to wait. But okay. the city that never sleeps. Released June 12, 1953 by the old Republic Pictures. They're back again. Directed by John H. Hour. Screenplay by Steve Fisher. Oh boy, folks! Welcome to the show. Uh, what a show it is! <laughs> what a show it is! I don't know when to give my opinion on this one. I guess I guess we'll just let it happen. But yeah, uh, Olive Films did this one. They did a pretty pretty good job. Yeah, some you weirdness know, you... at times, but it, overall, I'm just glad it exists. I think exactly. that sometimes sometimes there are certain movies in like a this. watchable form. Yeah. Um, and you know, when you're doing your Olive Films King of the Hill order next time, just pick this pick this one up. You might be surprised i actually didn't get the blu-ray of this though dan really is it I, I i was unable to to get it in time but i did yes i have that print i was i did watch that print what are the special features on that is there a trailer on there so the there are i could not find one there are literally zero and also to add insult to injury there are no subtitles oh, <laughs> or, or i'm so sorry so, for you. yeah it but is, you're glad it, is, it exists so it is very bare bones but i'll i'll allow it because like this this movie has a special place in my heart that's all right we can do some legwork here we're gonna sparkle you get these fancy sparkle titles right off the bat yeah and then you also get one more revelation damn the city is the narrator yes <laughs> chicago I truly is a character in this movie that's so batshit to me, but... <laughs> and it's also a person, in a character in the movie, by the way, too. Yes, yes, yes. I didn't realize that till my second viewing, but... Oh, no. Ch Chill Wills, because uh, his voiceover when he is Chicago, it's a little different. Like, it's a little quieter. Yes. It's a city talking. It's it, The city has achieved speech and is able to conjure itself into a human being later on. So, you know, the fact that it's able to enunciate in any form you do what you got to do. I understand. I'm, I'm just happy to be talking to you, Chicago. Long time, first time. Well, I will say it is the Windy City. So just throwing it That's out there. That's a Windy in this one, though. Chill, chills. Got chills. Windy talking. I'm just, I'm saying. I'll this. allow it. I'll all, allow it. All the connections are there. But he should have been like, when he, when he comes up, spoiler, his name is going to be Joe. But he should have been like Joe Windish or something like, Joe, you know. <laughs> Joe Chills. Joe yeah. Chill. Joe Chill, the man who shot Batman's parents. Is that his name, real? That is his name, yeah. Oh. Or uh, the fucking Joker, if you watch Tim Burton's Batman. It's been a while. It, it's 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 a it's a ride. I I, yeah. I still like it, but I never loved it to begin with. I'm sure I've told this story, but I remember when my local video store was closing down, mm -hmm. and any time that would happen, that means hey, you're gonna there's gonna be cheap movies to buy. Time to get your favorites that you got, and I would always rent Batman '66. I said, please hold Batman for me. And they got Batman 89 ready for me. And they sold Batman 66. That was a heartbreaking day. It's a small consolation, I guess. I mean, not ideally what you wanted, but I mean, it's not I like didn't take that. I took Batman forever because I preferred that more at the time. And I may still. <laughs> I remember seeing real quick. I remember seeing, not in the theater because I, I was too young at the time, but Fathom Events years ago. 
I think it was, a, I'm pretty sure it was a 35 millimeter print. Mm-hmm. It was definitely like a, like a, a print of Batman 89. And I went to see it in a theater and that was a really cool experience. It's a gorgeous film. Yeah, like, you know, no matter really any, anything I have against it has nothing to do with the look or feel of it. That's yeah. like Tim Burton at, at his peak. Bat it's dance. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I love Prince, you know. I love Bad Dance, but, you know, Adam West did some great dancing back in the day, too. Bad Tootsie, so, yeah. The Bad Tootsie. He also had a surf battle with the Joker. The surf's Epic. Up Joker is the all-time greatest episode of any show ever. I cannot recommend that enough. <laughs> the Joker, uh, he turns him into human surfboards at one point. I mean, come on. We're going big on this one. And yeah, speaking of going big. Writes itself. We're in, <laughs> it writes itself. Uh, we're going to meet Officer Johnny Kelly, played by Gig Young. <laughs> gig i like i like gig young uh we'll get into gig young i had some real fun facts about that motherfucker but we're meeting officer johnny kelly i'm just gonna call him kelly because that's that's how i prefer to get to know him and there also is an existing john kelly as we'll meet too so why mix it up he's He's watching he's he's pop yeah he's ready to pop he's watching sally angel face connors who i'm uh, also going to be calling angel face from here Mm. on out but he is watching her dance and that's Mala Powers, who plays Angel Face. Mm-hmm. It's like a burlesque club, I guess, but it's yeah. a lot of things happening. It seems like a bar, restaurant. A dinner club. It's like a, a dinner robot club. in the window. Yeah. yeah, with a mechanical man in the window where they the try silver. to play like if he's not a, a human or he's a robot, we don't know. And we will get into that. Yes. That is a whole podcast in itself. That's the meat of what we will be I was gonna talking say, about here. This I is why I wanted this. you to watch it. This is why I wanted you to watch it. I mean, besides everything else that goes on in this movie, which is ridiculous and awesome, but yes. yes. The Silver Frolics Nightclub is what it's called. Silver, probably because of the mechanical man. So... Angel Face, she's a young woman. She's pretty over Chicago at this point. It's kind of chewed her up and spat her out. She's not really into her current position. Mm-hmm. You also see her talking with Agnes, who's another dancer there. She's not really Agnes Dubois. Yeah. I'm really just pointing her out because when it's her turn to go dance, she's like chewing on gum. She like takes it out and sticks it on the wall. I thought that was awesome. And they uh, say that she's like, uh, she's like from France or from Paris. And then she has like this most like they also called her kind of accent, accent or something like that. Voluptuous, Dan. Yeah. Which I did not find to be true. I don't mean that in an insulting way, but I just, you hear voluptuous and and that's not who you're looking at, but she seems like a fun time. So, you know what? You stick that gum where you need to have some laughs. (laughs) I did like that moment though. I did like when she took the gum out. Yes. Kelly, he wants to settle down with Angel Face. They want to run off to California. He wants to go fishing. You know, he's just looking for a more simpler life. That city life, it just ain't doing it for him. He's unhappy. He's feeling smothered. And, you know, they seem to really be made for each other. These two, uh, they dream big. Now they're just feeling real, real low. You know, Angel Face, she's dancing nonstop for gross men. And she's ready to go. She's given her notice. They're planning on getting out of here. Uh, oh, by the way, guys, this movie takes place over one night. You're not sure at first, but it, it is a one-nighter. She's given her, her notice, but Kelly, he's like, I'm, I'm not into this. I'm, I, I'm actually feeling, I'm getting cold feet. So we got to break up. <laughs> and she's like, well, I gave my notice. What the fuck, dude? Yeah. But he's like, now nah, I'm sorry. That's no good. And he's like, so what do you plan on doing? She's like, well, I'm going to go settle on the robot man, the mechanical man. If he's not, if you're not going to come with me, she just needs to get out now. So yeah. she'll do what it takes. And he's so real they, sweet on her, the, the mechanical man. We'll get into it. It's pretty raw. I can't see. So you're getting cold feet. It's a big move to make. You said yourself it's what we both wanted. You said the way things are now, you felt smothered. I do. And so do I. When I was younger, 
When this whole tired, cockeyed world was younger, I was going to be a pretty shining star in ballet slippers. Now I've been ground down to this. Four shows, night after night. Sweat, more sweat, and leering eyes. I'm just like you. I'm suffocated. Sally. You talked about California. Live in the sun under the great big crazy sky. Honey, I guess I do want that for us, but I... But you're sunk in your rut and you'll never get out. Big kiss goodbye. Now we're off to the Continental Hotel where we have a rabbit and a magician. Yeah, we, this is where we meet briefly, but he will be back plenty later. This is Hay Stewart, played by our old friend, the hitchhiker himself, William Tallman. Mm-hmm. Great moment. He's hanging out with Tubby, who we'll get into a little more Stubby. later, too. Stubby. Stubby, pardon me. I did write Stubby there. I don't know why I wrote Tubby here. <laughs> <laughs> I kept hearing W at first. I think that's why. But yeah, they're, they're hanging out. Stubby's just like this real innocent looking kid. He's got a backstory we'll find out. But mm-hmm. he, we're just basically seeing the, the city is introducing us into this new character. So yeah, check this guy out. He's one of our my misguided uh, inhabitants. But yeah, he used to be a magician. and Now he's a pickpocket. And he's doing hat tricks. And then he pulls a gun out of the hat at one point. It was it's so, so cool. Yeah. I love that. I, that. I love the whole idea of it, like of him being this like magician that having that element with him turning into crime and seeing how that escal- his, his skills in that escalate into the crimes. I love it. It's great. It was great. great. I would yeah. say one criticism, very minor is it, it's just wishes. I wish there was more of that. I would love yes. to see more of that. You could take a, take that and run, but it, yeah. it's so cool. He's pulling a gun out of the hat. I've never seen anything like that. That was amazing. Yeah. And now next, the city is going to introduce us to Bedell. Oh, by the way, I'll get, I'll get a gif of that moment. We'll be up. I'll figure out how to make gifs. It's too important. <laughs> but yes, the city, he says, you got to meet this guy, Bedell. Penrod Bedell, excuse me. Amazing by name. <laughs> Edward Arnold, yes. Penrod is going to be our firstborn child, each of us, Dan. I think yes. two Penrods out in the world isn't going to hurt anybody. No, not at all. We also, he, so Bedell Penrod, he's a, a criminal attorney. And we also meet his wife, Liddy, who is played by Marie Windsor, who an old friend from The Killing. Always good to see her. She did a great job in this. Yes. Really, really great job. I, I was impressed with her. As mm-hmm. He gets a call from Kelly and he's saying like, I got a gig for you. Why don't you come by the hotel? We'll figure this out. Make sure you go through the service elevator. It's all very hush hush. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, we see Kelly's writing notes as he's being nagged by his mother-in-law from another room. Yes, we and never I, see her. We never see her. You know, the... <laughs> Classic unseen mother-in-law trope. Yep. But this totally freaks him out. Now he's like, you know what? I got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So he he keeps writing his note and um, Kathy, his wife, comes back right as he's leaving and she finds a crumpled piece of paper on the ground, which is a draft of his resignation to the police force. Yeah. So Kathy calls Pop, which is Kelly's father. He's John Kelly Sr. And he's Pop. also the sergeant. Yeah, Pop is the sergeant at the police force. And she totally narks on him and she's like, yo, something's up. I think he's going to bail on the force. So when Kelly comes in, Pop checks on him and he's like, you know, what's wrong? What what can we do here? And we see that Kelly is just totally miserable. He took this job because of his father. He just wants to go fish in California and not be a cop. And uh, he also doesn't want his wife to be more successful than him and make more money. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he just seems like he's completely just out of it at this point. Like, his dad's trying to, like, sway him, be like, oh, you gotta, you gotta do this, and, you know. You gotta live my life. Yeah, I mean, yeah, do his own later thing. on, we find that Pop, he wanted all of his kids to basically work in the police force. That he, yeah. Just how he is. There's some family issues there. We don't really get too much into them. Mm. So you see, Pop needs to listen. Little things, but Pop's clearly needed to listen to his kids. Yeah. He's not paying enough attention, apparently. The sons are not very happy, as we will see. 
So Poppy, yeah, he's completely blind to the emotions of his son. And so he just lets him go off on his way. Kelly goes to his squad car and turns out his partner's sick again, probably with the old earache. And suddenly Joe arrives out of nowhere. And he's going to be Sergeant riding Joe. with Kelly. Sergeant Joe, who, yes, is Chill Wills in the flesh. Uh, our old friend. Our old friend. He's the voice of Chicago. He has become a person. We will never find out why or, or any of the reasoning behind that. But yeah, sure. That, that's something that happens. I actually do know, and I'll, I'll, I, have some, I have some good thoughts about that, but I'll wait till the end. I'm interested in those thoughts. That's I have, what makes I have, this a, I have podcast. a good... Yes. That's what makes this something worth listening to. Got to gotta keep them waiting. You know, you got to keep them in suspense. And so in the car, this is where we also find us more about how Pop wanted the whole family to be cops and everything. But Kelly's completely distracted throughout, and he heads over to the hotel to talk to Bedell. And Lydia sees that business is being conducted, so she taps out and heads out, but she might be doing other things anyways as we'll find out later. Mm-hmm. But L, he goes into, he tells us the backstory of Hayes Stewart. He was a pickpocket. He even says, can you imagine anything lower in life? <laughs> He's like, I've seen, I've seen a few. <laughs> yeah, like, come on, dude. Pickpocket, who gives a shit? But he stole from Bedell years ago and he used the contents that he got to blackmail him. And for whatever reason, old Penrod, he's like, you got potential. So he decided to use this old chap to his advantage. Now, all of a sudden, Stuart, he's getting too good. He's figured out all the tricks and he's got to go. He's getting cocky. And he's going so, on his own, too. I mean, he, wanted, he was doing stuff it, more without him. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he wants to split off. And also, like, who knows what he knows? That's not good. Can we also and, point out real quick that, you know, there is also that element of like, yeah, we, we get this other sense of how out Gig Young is at this point because he's kind of a dirty cop because I mean he's basically I mean it's a dirty district attorney too but you know he's he's doing stuff on the side at the behest of Penrod you know for money I mean and and yeah. it's like we don't see a lot of that but you get that there's, that there's this been this ongoing relationship where like he's so like over being a cop that he's just like yeah I'm making all this extra money on the side doing whatever you especially know, now that he's about stuff, to resign you know? too you know right it's like exactly he's, he's, he's already tapped out like doesn't let's care just, Go all in and get some some California money for me and Angel Face. Because he even um, says, he's like, this is my last thing I'm going to do, as we're going to get to. Last score, one of the best tropes there could be. You never yeah. want to see a middle score. What are they going to nope. do, succeed? <laughs> yeah, keep going. <laughs> keep going. Get, me, get to me when we're at the end here. So also, Bedell, he's aware that Stuart, he wants to break into his safe to get something important. We don't quite know what. Mm-hmm. So then Penrod Bedell, he says, Kelly, I want you to bust him, put a little scare into him. And so that way I can come in and save the day. So you're going to like rough him up, arrest him, cuff him, take him over to the Indiana state line to sit in a prison for a slight case of manslaughter that he's wanted on. That only has a one to two year sentence, just a light slap on the wrist, old manslaughter. And then Bedell, he's like, I'll let him sweat for a few months and then I'll come in. I'll spring Stewart. We could all go back to normal. Everything will be fine. He'll owe uh, me. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of owing someone, Bedell, he's like, Kelly, I'll give you five grand. You can give it to your favorite charity if you want. Yeah, but... I like that. Like all this criminal activity going on with the cop, you know? <laughs> hey, come on. This, this attorney, he's, he's on the up and up. He knows oh, how to yeah. pull this stuff off. So Kelly, he's like, you know, I, that's fine, but I can't do it tonight. But it has to be tonight. And also Stuart has been palling around with a kid named Stubby, which instantly gets to Kelly because we find out that they are brothers, in fact. Yes. And this, so this is what gets him involved. So he, he's in. He also says, if you need to get in touch with me, don't call the station. Get in touch with Angel Face at the club if you need me for anything. We, we're back. We're in the car with Joe and Kelly. And every time you get these scenes, Joe, he's being the old voice of Chicago, trying to be full of morals and yeah, just shaming old poor Kelly off of his life decisions. But you know, Kelly's also just powering along. He's like, yeah, sure, dude, whatever. Whatever, yeah. 
Get your errand squared away? Yeah. Part of it. Car 12, supermarket, 3546 Haddison Street. Burglary in progress. Everything quiet? We haven't been asked to do a thing so far. Car 134, car 134, corner of Elston and Montrose. Disturbance on street. It's like a jungle. Ever think of how it'd be without the police? Sure, every man for himself. Violence, bloodshed, fear, no protection. You lecture on the side, Sarge. Car 44, car 44, 4721 Hyde Park. Meet robbery victim, a soldier in tavern at that address. Probably some guy just back from Korea been rolled for his train ticket and whatever money he had. Sure, it happens every night. In a way, we're like soldiers. An army of policemen. Knock off, will you? You're not very impressed with your job, are you? This is my last night on the force. Why? Because I'm not impressed. Well, you can do me a favor. Give this to the captain in the morning in case I'm not there. Tells him I'm fed up with the job. Fed up with life, too? No. Far from it. We pass by the club, and this is where we see the mechanical man in the window. We'll, we'll get forming to around him. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Uh, the, <laughs> Kelly, so Kelly's like, yo, Joe, I'm just going to get a quick cup of coffee. I'll be right back. Sure. He heads in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He heads in to talk to Angel Face, you know, despite earlier totally coming to break up with her. So he sees her dancing, and then that gets him, and he goes in the back to wait for her. Meanwhile, the bartender there is like, you've got to figure this out. you got the robot man. He's freaking out, and he wants to make his move. He's, you know, bursting his coils or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that they just talk about him like he is a mechanical man. And also, they're really far away too, like yes. like geographically, like like he's but he's like you know in this like bar compartment area, and then yeah. Gig Young's like closing the foreground. It's a big operation there. Yeah, it's and a well, whole and epicenter. And, and I like she says something when she when she comes up at that at this point. She says something like, "What do you want? Like a repeat performance or something like that?" Like there's some really good quips throughout the movie, like little small ones that are great. And also, I did want to point out that the bartender was blown away by a vodka order. He's like, what are these Russians over here? Like, I guess that was a new thing back then. I don't know. But yeah, Angel Face shows up and she totally gives Kelly the business, but he doesn't care. He tries to win her back and they head back to the dressing room, which clears out for them. God forbid anyone has work to do. And uh, Kelly says, you know what? I gave my notice too. I'm going to get out of the police. We're going to do it. California is happening. Let's start fresh. No past, only a future. So we're back in business. Don't worry about no mechanical men. She's sick of this town. Her dreams are dead. She even says, Chicago's the big melting pot. And I got melted, but good, which was, speaking of quips, a great one. Great. I should also mention uh, real quick that in the beginning, when when Sergeant Joe sits with him, he gives the letter to to Joe to hang on to, the letter of resignation. So he has that in his possession at this point. Probably not going to come back into play, Dan. I couldn't imagine so. But, but thank you for bringing up that random I, fact out of nowhere. I thought I, I, it seemed interesting <laughs> right now, at least. <laughs> we'll see. So we go back to the squad car after that because, you know, we're back in business. Angel Face and Kelly, we're, they're back there. Thing and item again. California's happening. So yeah, back in the squad car, Joe, he continues guilting Kelly and they get a call from dispatch and they take it. Joe also says, oh, that coffee cup must have had lipstick on it. Yeah. <laughs> Busted. So they're going to respond to a call of a pregnant woman. She's giving birth in a cab. And so they're like, we're actually going to pull her into this dark alley, (laughs) abandoned alley, which is so creepy. And they deliver the baby with all these gum chewing onlookers. Yeah, it's Um, a really bizarre scene because it's like like all these onlookers. And I guess, I mean, I get they're trying to get some privacy, but yeah, it is very creepy. 
It's like this rundown I mean, area. It's honest. Then, people, yeah. people are going to look. They, they love to on look. But yeah, it is yeah. a very bizarre, like, you're going to get mugged kind of area. But I guess any of the cops, you do what you got to do. I really couldn't even tell she was pregnant at first. She didn't really have, like, a pregnant stomach. And it was so quiet. And then all of a sudden, you hear, like, baby cries. So and she's kind of obstructed, too, because she's sitting, when we first see her, she's in the cab. And the cab door's open. And there's, like, a lot of people around. And, and we're kind of seeing some of the cops in front of her, too. So you don't really see her. So I think they, I think they probably did it deliberately. I think they were trying to somehow mask that she was nope. pregnant, so you don't no know. No Republic what's budget for a tummy. That's all. Yeah, well, that it could be that. I mean, it could be that, or it could be an artistic choice. I like to go with artistic choice because it's like everything's obscured, and then they go behind the square, and you're like, what, what are they doing? Like, what's, what's up with her? And then you, and you see him walking out. You hear like the, the, the baby cry, and then you see him walking out with this bundle, and you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense now. And anyone else would be shocked by this, but not Kelly, because he's delivered three babies in the last two months, Dan. Yeah. Dr. Kelly. Yeah. That's what, that's what Joe told me. She should have been a doctor. Should have been a doctor. But back to the rabbits, Dan. We're finally from here on out. We're going to be spending quality time with Stuart, which is great. This is who we want to be with. Also, Stubby is at the door. Mm-hmm. He was off goofing, as he says. And we found out he doesn't want to be a bellhop. That's what he was currently doing. But he, want, he wants to get in on some crime. He wants to... Get a little dangerous. Yeah. Uh, and good news, Stubby. Tonight is the night to do yeah. such a thing. So they head to this office building. Stubby stays in the car. He's the lookout. And Stuart heads inside. It, it was a lot of fun watching him go through, like, the pipes and the gears and wherever that back room was of the office. Yeah, I also like that there is this cat and mouse element throughout this film w- between him and Penrod because Penrod knows that he's going to that office beforehand. So he knows... Oh, yeah, we're, we're about to find out that he's totally on top yes, of this. Um, that's important to what's coming up, yes. Yes, uh, if you like old switcheroos and, and hijinks, you're going to love what's coming. So, yeah, he sneaks his way, he makes it pass all through these people, there's guards. I mean, even to make his way to the office, he has to go through this elevator, but he totally gets this, busted. This oh, weird, like, gate thing that he comes out of through, like, the... Yeah, that they, triangle they go, yeah. gate, yeah. And he walks, it's awesome. a great shot where he walks across the, the like, the foyer area in the, in the building. Yeah, it's really, really cool, cool, interesting shot. A lot of cool shots from this director. I, I Yeah. I couldn't see anything that I had really recognized or seen from him previous. I don't know about you. So this director, uh, he's also known for another film noir that I've been, I've been really wanting to see that I, I, after watching this, I, it made me want to get it, is um, Hell's Half Acre, which has some of the same actors in this. And it's, it's a film noir set in Hawaii, and it sounds ridiculous. So definitely one I think we'll probably cover. In the Summer future. 2022, yes. when we're ready to Vacation. live the Hawaiian lifestyle, we will do it live from Hawaii. That yes, uh, I, I would hope. But I will say that the cinematographer on this film is best known for the cinematographer of Psycho. Um, yes. So so when you hear that, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, this guy obviously knows how to, to shoot a film. <laughs> it makes you wonder how much yeah. of that was the cinematographer and how much of that is the director. Because a lot yeah. of times the things that you're noticing seem to be more the cinematographer's yeah. forte. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see when we go to Hawaii. Yeah, there's a lot of cool shots in this, though. But there's a lot of, yeah. lot of cool shots, especially once we get towards the end. It's, it's, it's yes. a little nonstop. So, yeah, he, he rides the elevator, and the guard busts him. He sets off an alarm, but he's able to kind of slip out of the elevator and still send it up to a different floor. So he's able to continue his way to the office. And Kelly and Joe also end up there. They answer the call from the alarm, and they slowly look around. At the same time, too, Kelly, like, he knows that this is going on. He's supposed to let it happen because... Right. He doesn't come into play until when he's supposed to bust him and take him to Indiana. Right. So Stuart, he gets into the office and he's just going through the filing cabinet, which has a safe. And he totally breaks in with ease because he's a magician. These are what we're talking about, where it's like you get to see his skills and play. 
Yep. And he gets in and he finds a note and the note is so good. It says, you utter fool. Who do you think you're dealing with? And that totally angers him. He crumbles it's it up so and takes it with him. So good. And at first I'm like, why wouldn't you just put that back in there and just pretend you never were there? But what right. he does coming up, well done, sir. I, I, there's, a, there's, there's a method to, to this. <laughs> to this madness, indeed. Yeah. I, so my hat will, will be tipped here momentarily. But Stuart, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Stuart, he makes a call to some mysterious person. He says, I got nothing. Come meet me at the place. And he heads out, but there's a lot of close calls, including when Kelly and Joe finally end up on his floor. He takes the stairs, but the guard is still down in the lobby. So he runs off and Kelly and Joe, they go to the guard. Like, we found nothing. They see he's got some booze on him. And they're like, what, what proof is it? And he goes, never smelling any proof. <laughs> <laughs> and they just totally make this guy feel stupid. But then they're like, you know, don't worry. People do this all the time. Like, if you get scared again, just give us a call. And so they head out. And then uh, Stuart, he has a great plan here where he's just like trying to open this locked door and pretends to be a cop trying to get out. And he's like, oh, by the way, I believe you about the elevator. Yeah. I'm Detective Bureau. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> totally like, good. Did I, I just missed him. You gotta let me out. <laughs> it's great. It's a great, great plan. He's a clever man. Yeah. Lo- love that William Tallman. Great to have him back. Yeah. It's a really great performance from him in this. Yeah, I think one of the, the, the big things I appreciate about this film, it's like a lot of like, I don't, I don't want to diminish them, but it's, it's a lot of maybe actors that would be considered playing bit parts or small parts in a lot of film noirs or a lot of movies at the time. So it's like a weird ensemble cast put together, but there's such, there's, it just something works about it. Like there's just like, they're kind of smaller, kind of not as well-known big names, but they all give great performances and they all kind of play to their strengths. They're, they're all played to their strengths within, even if it's like the smallest character that where it's not necessarily this huge bombastic personality necessarily you don't necessarily get that as much but it's just just right they're all just well, they're like, all kind of yeah. like playing roles that they have played before right. so it's like you know they're, they're coming with that experience but yeah they really do get a chance to shine and it is just like a movie made of like all bit players yeah but it's that great, is it's great that they get a moment to you know maybe a little little moment to shine maybe a little sparkle like a little the sparkle titles. like the title yes <laughs> maybe i'll make this episode's picture sparkle I'll, uh since i'm making gifs over here yeah, uh, but anyways I'll, I'll download blingy right Isn't that i was gonna say you're, you're gonna be in you're gonna be in the gif, the gif business now oh damn show's canceled i'm too busy making gifs <laughs> can't record today dan making gifs yeah, that's that's gonna be your your retort to every every message i send you from now on it's like nope it's too a good busy. excuse it's a it's a foolproof excuse so that's that is true i would i, I mean it's so, spe- it's so specific uh, if you send me that i'd say you're good man you just I'm let gonna me know say, when you're free call out of work trying that i think it'll work I, I can't come in today. I'm uh, too busy making gifs. They're like, oh, cool. Can't wait to I see. think if I was a boss, I would probably be like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. yeah Especially if you made your excuse as a gif. Yes. Somehow. See, that's, see, that's, that's the move. That's the move like, right there. I appreciate that he took the time out yes. to make me a gif. To, I'm to sorry. This. Yeah. I'm making gifs right now. I bet the voice of Philadelphia makes gifs. You could be the voice of Philadelphia making gifs. That's all, all I'm right. Chill Joey here to say, yeah, <laughs> make, make gifs. Yes. Um, but as far as voices of Chicago's go, we go back in the car and Joey totally keeps up, you know, the, the whole guilt parade. And he's like, basically he's like saying you suck for wanting a better life. <laughs> like yeah. clearly this guy's visible. He's trying to make change. And he's like, no, you could say Chicago. I, maybe this is part of your, what you got, Dan, but like, is the voice of Chicago just, did he conjure himself to try to make sure he didn't escape the city? That's interesting. I, 
I kind of, you know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of like, it, you know, it, it's a wonderful life where it's just like, almost like this kind of like angelic figure because I mean, you have, obviously you have angel face right there. Mm-hmm. And then you have almost like this kind of like guardian angel, like manifestation through the city of this so-called Sergeant Judge. We'll get to, cause he's kind of but almost what like- does he, What does he even really do? Like he just guilts him and stuff like, it's really like all the circumstances that changed Kelly throughout. Like, it's not really like any good advice that he got from Chicago. I think he's supposed to be obviously like this moral compass and whether he, whether he takes it or not is, is up to him obviously, but he's just kind of like that little, like good angel in his ear. You know what I mean? Like in his ear saying like, Hey, you should be doing this on the one shoulder. It's like, that's kind of how I play it. But again, it made me think of, of the guardian angel in it's a wonderful life where it's like thinking about like what, you know, you do have it pretty good where you're at, you're just not seeing it. You know what I mean? He, does, it, it, he doesn't have it very good, though. I think he was, he's better off. You, you see nothing of the relationship of him and Kathy. You're just being told that that's the right thing to do. You're being told Whereas, that, she, that she loves him. Whether right. he loves her is another story. That's, that's the thing. He absolutely doesn't. He's, yeah. I mean, that, that mother-in-law alone is enough to just tap out. And he, he has someone who loves him, Angel Face. She loves him. They love each yeah. other. They should absolutely just leave town, but... Chicago is evil. Chicago, the voice of Chicago is the villain of the movie. Truly. Well, that's why you're the voice of Philadelphia. You're the, you're the antithesis, I guess. It's true. Any other way, I like Chicago. I would actually say you should go yeah. to Chicago, but don't yeah. let it pressure you. You can't let these cities push you around. That's the advice here. You're like the Captain Pollution to the Captain Planet. That is, that is. I don't like that I'm Captain Pollution, Dan. <laughs> One of my favorite episodes of that show. <laughs> I'm just saying as the antithesis of, of what Sergeant Joe is representing. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying, I, on paper, yes, Captain Pollution, great. But also, <laughs> I, you know, you, you can't help but be a little insulted. Yeah, I didn't mean that personally. I just, I'm just I, saying the manifestation. Only by nature, yes. I'm just saying if you Google Captain Pollution, you'll, you'll know why I feel the way I do. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just really wanted an excuse to, to bring up Captain Pollution in an episode. I'll allow it. I'll allow yes. it. I'm not offended. I just feel yeah. like I should. That's all. Yes. But yeah. Did, did Captain Pollution get a theme song? Uh, no. Do you, do you remember this episode at all? Very loosely. I, I have not. I remember all my Captain Planet memories are from when I was a kid. Like I haven't gone back to rewatch it or anything. So real quick, I will mention that the whole premise of it is obviously that all of the planeteers have these different element rings. And right. somehow the plot of this particular episode... Well, was, four of them do. Four of them do, yes. And then the other one has heart. Yes. Uh, not an element. Not an element. But for our purposes... Never, we'll, no, we'll, no. We're not going to go We're not gonna go into it, the, the semantics of that. The, you the, could, the, he's the kid they humor. You could have the four of them and he would still conjure Captain Planet. That's true. And that, that's what I'm getting to. So somehow one, so. One, of the, one of the villains, they like steal the ring somehow and they make like evil counterpart copies of them. But, so instead of them conjuring Captain Planet, it's all, you know, toxic and all kinds of other converse stuff. Doppelgangers. Exactly. So, 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 yeah. So the Bizarro is when they put all their powers together of elements, it creates Captain Pollution. And he looks just like Captain Planet, except instead of having that world insignia, it's like a cracked world. And he's like all kind of like brown and sludge looking and kind of sewery looking. And they fight, <laughs> they fight each other. And it's amazing. And that's all, that's all I had. And Pollution wins. In real I forget. Life. I don't think pollution it, wins. No, because they're going to take pollution down to zero. That's the whole point of the show. Yeah, it's but in, it's in the song. Isn't life 
hasn't life taught us that Captain Planet has lost? Like, I mean, isn't that the gritty remake you would make now is that he let us down and we need him now more than ever? Yeah, I feel like it's a missed opportunity. I think, I think. How many know, times did Captain Planet murder? Not nearly I, enough. I don't remember. It's been, How many times did we need him to go to these corporate oil spilling fat cats? Yeah. And just be like. And like the pipe pipelines and all. We, this then other that's stuff where we find it. out what the purpose of the heart element was: is that it makes people's hearts explode when he points at them. Or can we blame the planeteers because maybe they haven't since they haven't conjured him in so long because they grew up and they they gave up and they got so jaded that yes. they didn't conjure him because that because at that point that's the only way he can come to be. So it's really the let the letdown is the planeteers. I think that that's who we need to blame. I think for this. I'm always, I, I definitely will make sure to say blame the planeteers. <laughs> That's what we're saying, folks. We're saying we're going we're saying, from film noir and then now we're getting to the blaming the planeteers. On look, if I'm fucking pollution. captured pollution, let's do it. Let's do it all in. <laughs> meanwhile, would, Dan, meanwhile, unless you have one more point to make on, on Captain Planet before we go back to our film noir. I have no, I have no further point to make. It's just that I was not implying that you were, you in particular were. I was saying the character of, society of society us, to be clear all of us yes to be clear there's a captain pollution in the hearts of all of us yes i'll watch i don't want to watch this episode i think i think there's probably clips of it available i'll see if i can find it i'll send it to you because it's at least like of, the, the, of the fight scene yeah did he have a theme song i don't think so but i think he has like like the the bizarro version of like by your powers combined like oh, sure like he has like a version of that but i don't re- i don't remember Much like the, the, the green lantern you know right. each yeah. different lanterns that were not green had different oaths right uh, yes though green so, lanterns was always the greatest mm-hmm. i just at least with my cartoon villains you know i think of gem and the holograms the, the mm-hmm. misfits you know they were bad guys and they also were there to be like oh but you're making music we got have we got a song for you yes in fact even in the theme song they they say our songs are better yeah and also that we're gonna get her yes yes gem 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 yes she's truly outrageous uh meanwhile dan <laughs> we've Stuart, now lost our entire fan, our entire listenership right here at this point this is a, a challenging episode but i can understand why there's a we lot in this here. movie there's a lot yeah. there's a lot of players and a lot going on i'm not confused about why we're here and i, I get it and that, that's all we can do is just accept and, and uh, embrace yes meanwhile <laughs> Stuart, he goes to Bedell's and Bedell is still trying Penrod, of course, still trying to get him to back into the pen fold. And he's so he's like, I he's like, I won this battle. I got Stuart. He's under my thumb again. But Stuart reveals that he already did the job that he was like, because Bedell's like, Oh, I heard you're planning a little something. He's like, What? You mean the thing I already did? And he's like, yeah. I got what I needed from your bedroom safe. And so he races off to there. He hits a button as this cool auto door to the safe his place was nuts that whole flower oh, yeah. place the set design's amazing that place in particular really yeah really shines i mean you, you see him earlier when he's on the phone and there's like little flowers on the phone i never even knew that something like that ever existed like where was that in the fucking 90s dan is that i'm getting clear phones in garfield no thank you no yeah i mean that's something that i feel like was a total miss in that in that era for us these you movies know, are, are so nuts when you watch them it's like all these little high-tech things that you only see in these ones where you're just like how, how on earth where is this place well he was a he was a district attorney for one which he probably made decent money in general but then he was a crooked one making all kinds of other rackets so you know doing a, other sinister things so he, this guy has a lot of money so obviously he's gonna deck he's out got- his, his his a uh, palatial apartment and, and all this uh 
weirdness. There's like a flower petal like awning over the fireplace. It's nuts. But yeah, the door, the safe door, it's like a uh, it's like a little mini Star Trek door, you know, just yeah. It's wild. So he opens it up and inside is the utter fool note, which is so cool. So yeah, that was amazing. And all of a sudden now old, old Penrod, he's ready to listen. And so Stuart how'd you do that? Like, yeah, he's like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's like, well, psh, magician, motherfucker. And Stuart, he's like, look, I was naive back then when I first tried to blackmail you. Yeah, I could have done so much more. You, you were up for like 99 years in jail. And now I want you to pay for those 99 years and you're going to pay tonight. You're a smart man. You'll figure out how to make this money happen. And Bedell goes, you have the great gall of any man alive. And then uh, and Stuart goes, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he so, also asks him. Tell me, what gives you such insufferable confidence? Which was such a delightful line. Yes. Speaking of when I spoke to the people that hit my vehicle, I you wish I had said that. <laughs> I wish I had that line in my pocket at the time because I would have literally been like, what gives you such insufferable confidence because nobody talks like that and I, I feel like it would definitely be appreciated you know what i mean like it, it would definitely it would be such a cut done. you know it would be a, it would be a, a dig for sure i guess we should also make a quick mention of part of the reveal is that Dan, that was my next reveal okay because he go, goes go. unless you want to do this in tandem you want to say it at the same time so he he's was like, oh, dating he, he was like oh, <laughs> by the way your wife helped me and uh we've been sleeping together yes which is ridiculous <laughs> and awesome it's just like such a so wow. good that was the call he made earlier and that's how he was able to arrange this and so Bedell, he's like oh shit he goes to the club and sees angel face and he's earlier was instructed to if you want to communicate with kelly that's how you do it so he passes along the message to her, which she then will, ask, will have to go pass along to the police station. I'm mm-hmm. um, saying that Bedell needs to meet up with Kelly. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the old squad car gets called into an alley. There's a craps game going on, which they bust. And there's no mercy for this guy. They're sending him to jail. They don't care what he says. Yeah. Well, apparently he's been busted many times for similar crimes. So Rolling dice in the, the alleys of Chicago. Yeah. These are the crimes. All right, Dan. Are you ready to get into it now? Now we're going to check ready. in. On the mechanical man, the mechanical man, Greg Warren, but we're not going to be calling him that ever. Uh, no. Played by Wally Castle, this man is—he ge- he gives a performance. He's the right guy for the job. What a crazy concept that there is this guy in a window that does the robot for people, and so well that people are confused that maybe he is not real. Right. Uh, that will definitely become a thing later on. And that's to help like lure people into this. Yeah. Club. You're like, like, oh, you know what? Yeah. I was so delighted by this. Why don't I go see some burlesque after this? What what else? Hey, there's a mechanical guy outside. What else could be inside? Yeah. You know? right. Like I, I would I would be like, yeah, let's go in and check it out. You have my curiosity. Yeah. So yeah, that that'll do it. But the mechanical man, he wants to get out of the window. Yes. <laughs> Reading my write-up for this, it's cracking me up. And he wants to do a show with Angel Face, who he's totally obsessed with. It's a husband and wife act that he has planned. Who knows if he's still in silver robot face in that act. Yeah. You, you, you feel a little bad for him until he starts to tell the stories of how he's able to pass the time. He has to work for like an hour and a half and then gets 15 minute breaks before yeah. going back out there. And so he just says he daydreams out there and he gets real creepy and he's all about like, oh, an angel face. She's always there with me. And she's wearing uh, this bathing suit on the beach. And he's in a know, bathing suit yeah. in the beach <laughs> or we're on a fucking mountain and she's got a coat. 
And he's totally not taking any of these hints from Angel Face whatsoever. She does not seem to be into him. No. Whatsoever. She has a very blank face when he's saying these stories. It makes it so much more baffling later on, but we'll get there. But yeah, yeah, he totally lost me here. He says he's only going to do his act that gets him out of the window if it's with Angel Face. So God forbid he tries to improve his life without this poor woman. Yeah. But she gets saved by a call from Kelly. Who, and then she goes ahead and passes along Bedell's message, which says the appointment has changed, the time is now, and you got to go to the hotel to go to Stuart's room. And so we are there, and it's Lydia and Stuart <laughs> hearing about Stuart's black magic, aka his dick from Lydia, and she's just <laughs> head over heels in love with this guy. It's a very steamy moment. They, they do a good job with that. Darling, what's better than money? You tell me. Black magic of Hayes Stewart. Darling, give me some magic. You're the best. The best magician. Your magic touch. I'm in a different world. No wonder I'm willing to give up everything. And then a call comes in. It says, Bedell, he's, he's coming into the hotel. Stuart's nervous. He even says, like, I've stolen a lot of things before, but never a guy's wife. Yeah. And Bedell, he doesn't seem to have this money. He also just really wants to go off on these two. He, he's heartbroken. It's two people that he really loved. They, they betrayed him. But, you know, Bedell's also too snooty. And Lydia just goes off on him. She's like, you know, you never re- stop reminding me that where I came from, that you made a lady out of a waitress and you tell it to all your friends. And, you know, a hash slinger. A hash slinger, yeah. He's like, you really make us feel like shit about where we came from, like you're above us. And yeah. he was totally oblivious to all of this. And so going, I also heard the call to Kelly that you did with the plan to put Stuart in jail for a minute. So I told him about that. So Medell's just like, cool, let me give you a farewell gift and you hope it's a gun. And boy, that's exactly what he pulls out. It's so great. But Stuart, he totally is on top of it and he shoots him first. He draws first. Now all of a sudden, Lydia's totally bummed. She didn't sign up for no murder. You know, she's like, he was an old man. He could just grab the gun. And it's like, yeah, maybe, but he's still pulling a gun. Like, yeah. what, do what is he supposed to do? And I think like, he was fine with murdering us. The only disappointment I had was he didn't pull out of a hat at this point. See, that would have been, I know. That would have been I know. it. I know. I, I, I was hoping to see that come into play too. But the very fact that it existed. It's okay. Yeah, we'll let it slide. So, yeah, this was not the plan, but Stuart's like, you know, cool, we'll figure it out. This guy was pretty prominent, but I think as long as we still can get to Kelly, he'll get us out of that town in that cop car, we'll be okay. And now the gunshot obviously was reported. It was very, you know, clear as day in a hotel. You can't just shoot around guns there. Pretty loud. And, um, and we're racing to get there. You're going to see a little reuse of footage from here on out when it comes to the car racing, but it's so brief. It's it's nothing too. Bad. And it's very fast driving. Like it makes you it makes you a little bit car sick. Yeah, I think <laughs> it does. And that's another reason why I was grateful. It was so brief because yeah, they're like driving like the wrong way in traffic, and they speed up the footage a little it's bit. Really fast. Yeah. It's it's really dizzying, but it's like over in three seconds. Anyway. Yeah. But it turns out Bedell is not dead, and everyone totally saw Stewart do this. And Kelly finally gets a chance to be alone with Bedell. And he won't give up his wife on this. He's like, all right, we know Stuart did it, but who else? And he's like, I have no idea. So he's like, it's not, important. it's not important. It's not important. Even though, you know, come on, you got to give up on her. Yeah. But anyways, 
Kelly's car is being called in, but they're still in the hotel. So Pops hears the call and he takes it, which leads them to the club and they head inside. You got Lydia and Stubby looking on. Stubby sees that his dad is going in and he gets real freaked out. But Lydia doesn't know this. She just hears it. Oh, it's, that's Kelly. Yeah. Let me go talk to him. So she heads inside thinking it's their Kelly. So but... great. It's a great plot device. You know, I absolutely. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No the, mistaken the, identity. The... All throughout the plotting is airtight. Yeah. You really don't need to add a voice of Chicago in this movie to make yeah. it happen. But that's all right. You do what you got to do. That and a mechanical man, that's really why we're here, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> that's what we're here for. That's what we're here. So, yeah, they're, they're like, we have no idea what you're talking about, about any kind of deal. But they're like, we're going to bust Stuart. He's here. And she's like, yeah, yeah, but just don't let him know it was me. I'm, I'm afraid of this guy. And... Stewart, he meets this guy. He's like, oh, you're John Kelly, not knowing that he's senior. Yeah. And so he thinks that he's talking to the right guy, but he's wrong. And Kelly takes out the cuffs on a magician. I was expected to watch him like get out of the yeah. cuffs, but we never. He's like, oh, okay, I guess we're playing it down the line. You know, he thinks yeah, he's, he's like, it's still he's like, the setup, you know? I want to go to a better prison. You know, I don't want to go to Indiana. But then all of a sudden he does realize he's got the wrong Kelly. And he also is like tells Pop, like, your son sucks. He's, he's making deals with criminals. And that's heartbreaking to Pops once he puts all this together. And Stuart realizes he's totally boned. And Lydia ratted on him. So he shoots the cops. And he runs off. And you get that cool shot where he runs at the camera. And then it cuts to him running from the opposite direction from behind. It's so this good. is from here on out. This, the tricks really get great. Yes. I think I may have missed the shot where it's coming up. Uh, when I was doing my second viewing, I couldn't find it. But there's that scene where it frames. I think Lydia is in it. But it's like she's in the mirror. And then it shows like the two, I, I think it's the two cops. I can't remember quite where it is, but Behind was, once him, yeah. you see it. Yeah, it was, I thought that was really great. They found a way to like just squeeze everybody in. Yeah, it's great. Um, there's just a lot of really clever tricks like that that just make this something special. Absolutely. And so Stuart grabs Lydia in the street and they run into the shadows. Stubby is there to make sure he witnesses anything. And Stuart kills Lydia. He, he brings up this magic act called the disappearing girl. Meanwhile, the mechanical man, he's doing his act in the window and he witnesses all of this. Yes. But that's not going to come into play or anything. But you nope. get all these, you get so many great shots too of Stuart afterwards. Like he's looking from uh, across the street in this abandoned building and through this like broken window. And the, that's, that's framed really cool as well. Yeah. Um, and as you see him trying to figure out if this mechanical man is real or not, <laughs> Stubby says no, but we'll get to it. So Kelly he finds out that Pop was shot. He gets there and he's like, Pop's like, I waited to die, for, basically. For yeah. you, once you get here, and he's like, Kathy rules. Maybe you should uh, not be a piece of shit and take care of her. Yeah. And then he dies. And Kelly is pissed at this point. He's like, you know, why did it have to be him? He took your call, Johnny. So Stewart did it. He's, like, he's a cop killer. We got to get this guy. Meanwhile, Angel Face tries to comfort Kelly, but he is crying. He's broken. His father is dead. Even though he's like, you know, hey, you always wanted to die in, you know, in the line of duty, but he, he should have been retired at this point. Yeah. The mechanical man comes in and he's like, I'm not going to say anything. You know, I don't see, hear, or feel. I'm a mechanical man. Yeah, which is interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. But Angel Face is like, yo, that was Kelly's dad. Come on, can you help out? And he is ready to help out. So he's like, I'm going to go in the window and draw him out once he realizes that there's a witness because he's going to want to take care of that. So no one is really sure where Stuart had run off to, but they think he must be close by. So yeah, I'll go in the window. You guys go hide. I'll go dream up some more and uh, we'll draw this guy out. Everyone's motivations like change in this moment. It's very bizarre. Yeah. Especially him because he's like, I'm not going to do it. He's like, all right, I'll do it. It's like, okay. I guess it's his love for her. You know, I guess it's like- Obsession. It's a gross love. I can't give him that. And now all of a sudden Angel Face like totally loves this man. I mean, some of it definitely is like, this is her new ticket out, but- well, she's, she's faking. Definitely... She's faking. You think so? Yeah. 
I, the way that she delivers it when he's in the window and she's like talking to him, you can sense like she's kind of like pandering to him. I, 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 well, I, I mean, I think she's pandering to him just to get him out of the window. Right. Definitely. But, I, I, I do think that she she sees this as her ticket out because you know. right that that's what it is. It, it's it's she realizes that she's probably lost Gig Young at this point because of the whole thing with her his father. He's, she's probably realizing that he's going to go back to his wife probably, and then she's going to be stuck because she's without her job and she's trying to get out and she has no other outlet. So she's like, well, this guy's obsessed with me and he can give me my ticket out of here. I'm just going to glob onto him, and I think that's what the motivation is. Yeah, when Kelly had first broken up with her, she was even like, "Yeah, this is that's my ticket out. That's my next right. up." She's she's begging him not to, but he's like, "I don't, I don't care." The mechanical man, he's going out on top. There's a lot of uh, scenes. The, the, the tear. The, yes, before that though, you get to see him just scared and doing yeah. the 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 mechanical man robot, and his scared face is so funny. I mean, I'm laughing yeah. pretty hard by this point, but I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, Stubby, he's worried about everything. He's really freaking out. Now he knows something happened to his father. And also he, he yes, like I said, he does think that this is a real robot. A drunk guy comes out who sees the cops hiding. I love that guy. Uh, that's that's nice because he's, he's like, Kelly's like waving him away. And he's, he's like looking at him, yeah. but he's quiet. He's like, all right. So that was a, a great Breaks attention. That. Yeah. And then also a couple comes up and they start watching the mechanical man. And they're like, I wonder if he's real. And this is where Angel Face really like tries to get him out of the window. We'll run off together and do the act, which makes him cry. And then the onlookers are like, oh, that's not real. He's crying. And then so Stuart immediately just shoots him at that point. And that's another cool shot where uh, the bullet hole just appears in the glass. Right. Because he's a ways away across the street. So it's like, wow. Yeah, you're like, you're seeing yeah. it from the mechanical man's point of view. Right. From like across the street. That, that was really cool. Now the gunfire begins. Stubby gets pistol whipped. But Kelly comes up to him and he's like, yeah, by the way, dad's dead. And he feels really awful. Kelly, he goes and pursues Stuart and they are on the rooftops. And this is a very, very long sequence. Sometimes it went on a little too long. Sometimes it was it, this, it changed it up enough where some cool stuff happened. I'm of two minds of it. I also love when the dispatcher starts calling the cars. It was like, all right, guys, we need you. He says three different cars. And each, when he says the car number, it cuts to the guys in the car. Yeah. That was, I really liked that. That was so cool. Real quick, did um, we, did we miss it or is it coming up the part with, What's her name with the his the girlfriend with her death? Did that happen yet? Lydia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, why he, the that's what we're talking about. The mechanical man had right. witnessed Lydia's death in, in the streets. He's right. That's why he's okay. Go. We're talking specifically about that. Yes. I just wanted to make sure that we I, I don't think we specifically mentioned her dying specifically. She's dead. Uh it's, yeah. a, it's a good sequence. That's where we were talking about uh he says like the disappearing woman. Uh, right. Act. Yes, yes, yes. That's where that is. But yeah, so the boys they continue to struggle. They go down ladders weird. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that, but like it when they're racing down those out. ladders, they're like sliding down them. They're very high up. And then when they would get close to the ground, they start doing it normal. And you're like, that's one way to use a ladder, I guess. Yeah, that really threw me. I totally noticed that. I was like, this is so weird. I, I, it's been a while since I watched this movie. I, you know, I, I watched it years ago and I didn't remember that part. And I was like, this is why are they going down a ladder like that? that? Why it's would so you weird. then copy the guy who did that? For yeah, the exactly. Like now you're mimicking this guy. What? <laughs> Maybe he thought he had like some secret to getting down the ladder faster and realized that they, it was ridiculous and it didn't work. They do it fancy in Chicago, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And meanwhile, during the gun battle, Stuart runs out of bullets and then Kelly loses his gun. Like while he's battling with Stuart, he gets him to drop the gun. Yeah. And so, yeah, we got a lot more rooftop battles. And we also noticed that Stubby's heading into a church at one point. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, we're up at the old Chicago subway train tracks that are up in the sky. 
Yep. With signs warning of an electric third rail, but I'm yep. sure that's not going to come into play at all. Yeah, why, why would it? The police arrive and they're like, hey, we're going to shoot you down. And also, it looks like that's Kelly up there, but he won't identify himself to the cops. He's totally gone rogue at this point and even throws his badge down on the ground. Kind of his way of saying, like, I'm done, but also uh, you want to identify me? Here I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This, this. It's, it's a great moment. And so they fight and fight, and it's a really, almost a the itchy and scratchy theme song. But, yeah, they <laughs> continue to fight. Then you got this – you finally get the, the grab uh, of the rail. Stuart gets, like, punched down, and he grabs the rail. And they, I love how they pulled that off with, like, the fire coming from his hands. Also, one of my favorite shots in the movie is when the two trains are coming opposite each other. Oh, and it and, looks like it's going to hit him. Right, it looks like it's like hit him. And then it, in between. Right, and then it cuts into, into him, and, he, and he's like, it's a really great shot where it's like you're, you're in tight with him between the two trains. It's like, oh, man, what a great shot. I wish they had cut out like a lot of the rooftop stuff before so they could let the train stuff draw out. Because by then, you're just like, yeah. we've been up here for a while, but... It's not a slight. It's just something I wish it could have been tightened up a little bit. But Trying yeah, all the train stuff it. is good yeah. because you're like, oh, there's the, there's that electric line. It's not an if, but a when. And so there's yeah, all yeah, these little waiting. like teasers that happen. But when it finally does, it's so good. I uh, love how they, they do it when he's grabbing the rail and then he slips through the train cracks to his death. That was awesome. Yes. That whole, awesome. yeah, the, yeah, the one two punch of, of like of the, the electrocution and then him falling, you're just like, perfect like, death. Wow. Perfect death. So love that. Then we cut to Stubby in the church. Kelly comes in. And he's like, it's all good. You got to go home. I love you, buddy. We're going we're gonna to make this work. And so now we're back at the station. Kelly gets his badge back. One of them officers is like, oh, I think you dropped this. And then um, he goes to his squad car. And this is where we find out Joe never existed. There was no Joe. Or did he? No, I don't know. Nobody seemed to see him or anything. So, yeah, and that's what's weird. I want to go back, and and I probably should have done this when I watched it, but they do the the kind of like the the garage guy or whatever the attendant there he says yeah. you know i told you that your partner was gone i can't remember if he acknowledges joe at all in the beginning he doesn't he, he doesn't. doesn't okay no he just kind of shows up and he's like, i'll be riding with you and then it's just a one-way conversation right. so yeah so that does give give way to the but see do other people see him throughout the movie because he he does engage with other people that's a good question i guess like when he is when he checks that booze from that security guard they do have a back and forth but it also could have just been like in his head or him just talking to himself like yeah it's interesting yeah it's one to go back for and keep in mind the, the lads are not sure <laughs> i i do definitely say that um i i do think it was like chicago trying to keep him yeah no i, I think that's fair and I, like i said i think i i i saw it more as like this kind of garden angel i'm not i'm not a spiritual person oh at yeah, all, yeah yeah no i, I, I mean absolutely it's That's, that, but it's like Chicago yeah. as the guardian angel being like, why don't you stay here and live, you know? And he does. He tears up his resignation that Joe gave back to him, and then he also makes up with Kathy. The end, you get this total, this long paragraph about how great cops are, and thanks for <laughs> helping us out. That's that. That's the movie. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I had a great time. Even cool. even, even when it was like, what the hell? It was still a very fun, what the exactly. hell? I mean, yeah. you're opening with the city of Chicago as a narrator, you, you, you know where you're going right off the bat. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad. Like I, like I said, I, I felt like you would enjoy it because it's just such a, I don't know if outlandish is the right word because it's got such great film noir elements throughout the entire film. It's just got so much packed into it. Great characters. But there's just like a lot of weird, like little like wrinkles, like the, obviously the mechanical man, but just like little elements that are just like, and you got the magician, criminal, like just these weird elements. And that's the first moment that got me yeah. was the magician. When he pulls that gun out of the hat, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I'm sold American. 
in, in, in my head, I, I mean, whenever I think of this film, I think Mechanical Man. I mean, that's obviously like, like and going into this when we were, when I was selecting this, I was like, I want to watch it solely for just to see your reaction to the guy. Cause I knew going in, I was like, I, I, I feel like you'll enjoy it, but I just wanted to get your reaction to him. I don't need more mechanical men in my life. One and done. It wasn't was, done, but it's like, it was the right amount of mechanical men. Right. It helps. It helps to the plot of the movie. It, it makes sense within the context. Like I, I feel like as a plot device of, of being a witness and the, the, the idea of the dichotomy between like, his human nature and like a mechanical nature and stuff like that that whole thing yeah i i you know like i get it sure. as as weird as it is i get it i just love that they say mechanical man over and over again also and i want to make a note i didn't know if you had this in in your in your after thoughts but the way that they say hood yeah that was is, a special fact i i didn't take this one with me because it wasn't important enough to me but go ahead and tell right i just thought it was funny i, I didn't want to i didn't want to make it important but i just thought no it was funny that's fine Hood in in, in, Hood. in the, yeah, I'm just like what? Uh, okay. Apparently, that's a, a Chicago way of saying it. So yeah. it was it was era appropriate, but yes, yes to the, the rest of us out here, it was it was quite odd. Yeah, not a lot of fun facts about this movie. It's really more the actors I'll be coming with on this one. Starting with Paula Raymond, who played Kathy Kelly. We we very briefly see her in the movie, but she is a presence. In 1962, she was basically what I have to say about her is she seems to be quite clumsy. Uh, she was a passenger in a car that crashed into a tree on Sunset Boulevard, and her nose was severed by the rearview mirror. And so after finally getting a lot of plastic surgery, she returned to acting. And in 1977, while working on Days of Our Lives, the soap opera, after only three appearances, she tripped on a telephone cord and broke her ankle and was written out of the show. And then in 1984, she broke both hips. And in 94, she broke her shoulder. So, wow. Paula Raymond, maybe she was too clumsy to even get more parts in this movie, you know? Maybe she was more uh, in wow. more uh, more of a presence, who knows? Edward Arnold, our old friend Penrod Bedell. Here's a fun fact for you. An image of him uh, after he died made an appearance in the 1984 film Gremlins as the deceased husband of Mrs. Deagle. There's a very large framed photograph of him. Joe Dante had said that they had received permission from Arnold's family to use his image, so... A very specific person to get an image of. I know. And there's there's not much else to him when you look it up. So you're like, I wonder what Joe Dante saw in this man. Probably, but, this, you know, mo- probably this movie. I could believe it. it. Yeah. Although, I mean, I don't know uh, how available this was. It seems like this one kind of became more available in the last couple of years. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, this was definitely one that was, you know, it's Republic. It's, you know, it seemed like it was kind of not lost, but definitely lost in the shuffle. Which is more like, you know, we were saying, like, it's an okay print, but considering the circumstances, especially like Republic, you almost, you never expect too much from them. They didn't seem to hold right. up as well as some other ones did. And in that regard, it's, it is a great print. Yeah, I think this wasn't this part of like the Scorsese, like when he went through that, that whole thing with he was restoring a lot of Republic films. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it was part of that. He's, he's helped us out in this genre many a time. So shout yes, out to Scorsese. Uh, nothing else of value from him, but. Yeah. If for nothing else. <laughs> For nothing else. No, I am a fan, I will say. Mala Powers, our old angel face. Mm. Um, she, while she was doing USO Entertainment Tour in Korea in 1951, she contracted a blood disease and nearly died. She uh, was treated with something, but she had a severe allergic reaction, which resulted in the loss of much of her bone marrow. And she barely survived. And the recovery took her nearly nine months. And in fact, while she made this film, she was still taking medication for her. Ooh. for that dude you would never know she did such a great job in this. yeah she's great in it I, lo- I love her in this and she would later be on five episodes of perry mason meaning that she was reunited with our old friend william tallman mm-hmm. who was quite prominent there she also trained directly under 
old Michael Chekhov, if you're familiar with acting. She had group and private sessions with him, and they actually grew quite close. And after his death, she was named an executor of his estate. Mm. And she continued to um, promote the Chekhov technique, that, that old gun. That's the one I remember, right? Mm-hmm. Chekhov's gun, if you see it, I mean, it's going to come up later on in, uh, in the movie. So, yeah, that, that's, that's some fun fact with her. She was able to bounce back after nearly dying. But now we get to Gig Young. <laughs> Speaking of that, Scorsese, it was a Republic Pictures retrospective that he curated. It was shown at the New York's Museum of Modern Art in 2018. Mm-hmm. So very, very recently. Yes. Um, MGM had actually loaned Gig Young to portray Johnny Kelly for this role. So we were lucky to get him. So that's how he was able to get the star role. It was for them. It was nothing. They were just giving him one of their side plays. He was up for the Academy Award many times, but lost until he finally won for his role as Rocky, the dance marathon MC and promoter in 1969's They Shoot Horses, Don't They? He's you, in one have of you my seen favorite, that movie? I haven't. I know of it. I, I will say you're probably going to get to it, but he's in one of my all-time favorite movies. Like Dan, I, I, Dan shut your mouth. Okay. Uh, <laughs> You, you never, you don't need to say. Uh, as far as that, other, as they shoot horses, don't they? It's all right. Yeah, it's a, it's a ensemble piece. You know, it's not what you think it is as a movie. Certainly from the title, although they get into that too. He was becoming, unfortunately, more and more of an alcoholic. He started to lose roles. He was actually uh, cast as the Waco Kid in Blazing Saddles, but he collapsed on his first day of shooting due to alcohol withdrawal and was fired and replaced with Gene Wilder. That's who you think of when you need a replacement for old Gig Young. Yeah, very interesting. Which changed everybody's life. I mean, that was that that really exploded Gene Wilder. So who knows what could have been. But he also had a supporting role in one of Dan's favorite movies, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia from Sam Peckinpah. And actually Peckinpah was someone who would continue to cast him throughout these dark days. He was in Killer uh, Elite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was great. He's great in Garcia. I I believe it. I don't think there's a, probably a bad person in that movie from what I've seen. <laughs> I, I still have it waiting to, to watch it. I can't wait. Have you and ever I seen it? I have not. And it's like, I saw all of my favorite people's favorite movies. So it's definitely oh, time to do it. Please do me a favor. Let me know what you think of that movie once you're done. Like I, I, I'd I be will. so curious uh, as like uh, uh, for you as a first watch of that movie, because it's such, yeah, as I probably talk about all the time, but it's such a, important movie to me so like i i would know i like you, peck and paw so i mean i know i, I don't think it's gonna be like i don't think it's gonna be a challenge but everyone no. i trust says great things it's just it's one of those ones that just kind of slipped by and it's just a matter of time yeah definitely keep me posted because i yeah you're gonna you're gonna flip out i think i i believe it i believe it speaking of flipping out <laughs> in 76 aaron spelling cast uh young for the title role in charlie's angels but of course, his old alcoholism prevented him from doing the role again, even just as a voice actor. So he was fired and, and replaced. And um, man, what could have yeah. been with Gig, man? He no. was replaced with John Forsythe, who was cast so quickly to replace him. He arrived the first night in his bathrobe and slippers. <laughs> Good old John Forsythe. Not surprised. And finally, October 19th, 1978, three weeks after he was married, he, him and his wife were found dead in their apartment. And it seems like he had shot his wife and then killed himself, but they never discovered a motive. There was mm-hmm. only a diary entry on September 27th that merely said, we got married today. Yeah. So that's a bummer. Yeah. Can't win them all. That's all I got for this fun little movie, though. The lads are recommending it. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. I think if you want a good It, a it good is a time, lot of fun. Yeah. You're looking for a lot of fun. I know we just came from, from 
some horror noir, some, some pretty heady stuff. So it is, there's some fun here, but there's also so much great, serious, gritty, cool stuff. So it's not like a yeah. laugh riot the entire time. The mechanical man, you're laughing at the mechanical right. man and you're laughing at Chicago as a character, but you know, if, if you're going to keep it chill. Wills, what else do you want? Exactly. It's got, it's just got everything that you would want in a film noir, I think is kind of packed, you know, into this film. It's a low budget, but it just, it works and, and it's got great sequences and yeah. it's risky, but it works. It's, it's, yeah. Take a lot, of, a lot of chances, and I think for the most part, they work. I had to watch this movie almost immediately after watching it for the first time to come up with a write-up because that's, as you're saying, it's very sparse out there for details. Mm. But I, I had a great time the second time around, too. And yeah, hell of a film. Well, the next film we got coming up is, is a new one to the lads, and, and we're, we're, we're getting riskier, Dan. We're going into the old west again. We're, we're trying Uh-oh. it one more time. This is a listener-suggested episode, so you can't blame the lads on this one. But from what I've seen, I I think this is absolutely a worthy entry. I think we're going to be good. So we're going to be checking out 1959's Day of the Outlaw. Anything we can do for you, strangers? Yes, could be. I was looking for a quiet place. We were settling a little private quarrel. I apologize. I don't like to break in on a party. But we'll take your guns. You won't find anything to take in this town. You'd be surprised at what we can find to take. Trail ends in this town. No place to go but back. The trail back is closed. Who's following you? Cavalry. Two days hard riding behind us. Cavalry doesn't bother tracking seven men like you. Captain Jack Brunn, United States Army, formerly. Hey, you. I want food and service for my men. We'll pay. Yes, sir. That cavalry won't stop for food and rest. My men rest. I've been intrigued about this one since it was brought up because uh, I wasn't I wasn't necessarily familiar about it, but yeah, I, I did some re- a little bit of reading. Not not didn't go too far, but just did a quick check out on it, and I was like, okay, this seems seems interesting. I'm seems I'm legit. I, I think we're good to be here. I mean, even at very least, I think it'll be like kind of like a blood on the moon situation where it seems very dark yeah. and shadowy. So right, I, I think we're gonna make up for it. You know, this is a, a quest that we're gonna continue. We're Western noirs, you know, we're gonna we love westerns, we love noir, we want to bring them together. Uh, exactly, know, we, we, we want it to happen. You know, and I think we did, we did such a good job with horror noir from yeah. Halloween. I, I, I like Keep to see it rolling. Yeah. continue that. That's what makes us such connoisseurs. You know, you come to us and uh, kind of snoirs, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you come this, to this us. This is where I end. This is where I end the, the, oh, the All right. Well, <laughs> well, this was the last moment. episode. Thank you so much. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think that's going to be a good time. But also join us. We've got something coming to you on Tuesday, November 9th. We got Blood Simple from 1984. So we, why don't you actually come to see us there first, if you want. It's going to be a nice little bonus episode. We Could there I be a know. name for this? I don't know. What, what could it be? Dan, are you talking about Neo Noir-vember? That's I'm, afraid, I'm afraid to say it after you just were threatened to get off the show two seconds ago <laughs> with what I said. Well, no, now, now that I know that we're going to watch Blood Simple, I'm, I'm, I'm staying on. He's you, sticking you, around. Okay. You, kept, you kept me on. All right. Uh, welcome back. So, yeah, check that out. We're Great to be to here. This- <laughs> great, great, uh, great to be back Dan back for his last appearance thank you 
I'm doing four solo neo-noir episodes this month, so check them out. No, we're, we're looking forward to it. First one's Blood Simple from 1984. The Coen Brothers, this is it. Their first movie, it's, it's a hell of a time. Come back Tuesday, come back Thursday. We'll see you then. In the meantime, you can email us, the real out of the podcast at gmail.com. You could be like listener Charlie B and give us a movie suggestion if it seems like it's worth doing. We'll, we'll definitely, we're always down. We like, we do listen to the, to the audience out there. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm anything film noir. I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. I'm, I'm ready to experience ones that I haven't seen for sure. I mean, there's, I mean, I, I think about it all the time and research all the time. And there's still ones I miss and not some ones I'll find. I'll be like, how did I miss this one? Like, this sounds amazing. There's um, lost movies and new prints coming yeah. out all the time. So that that's, that's great. So you, Dan, you can email us some suggestions too, if you got. Yeah, um, I, I might do that. We are almost at the time where we need to come up with a new lineup of movies. So we'll Don't get worry, there. I, but I got, I got, I got plenty. I got some lists going too, but we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Let's, let's get through November first. And you yeah. can uh, also find us Instagram out of the podcast, same with Facebook or out of the cast on Twitter. Thank you very much, Noiros, for tuning in to another episode. In the meantime, Dan, here's the crime. Here's the crime. Bing. Bing.